Welcome to the quest, friends. Here after arc one Q and A, either a stream or a very roughly edited episode. Because if you're listening to the episode version of this, uh, I usually just take the stream and that's the episode. But cut down so you didn't hear the super long pause I did just now. Or did they? Or did they? Maybe you didn't. Or cut did it. you just not cut it out as mm. we were discussing? It'd be yeah. ironic. It'd be ironically more work for me to keep that pause in than to cut it out. Well, that makes it better, then. You are all about doing <laughs> more work, though. Like, oh, something should be easy. I'm going to complicate it for myself as a treat. That's what you do. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, mm. you do. I have not the slightest idea. Uh, also, if our volume, uh, if especially specifically my volume versus everyone else uh, needs to be adjusted, let me know. But welcome to the stream, everyone. We've got a handful of Q and A questions that we're going to answer about the um, about the arc that we just finished, the first arc of Quest Friends hereafter. Basically, the first season, but we named the season two, and doing season two, season one would be really confusing. So I'm embrace just... the homestuck. Act six, act four, act three. <laughs> Shakespeare could never. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, how uh, do we? We don't need it. People know who we are. Does anyone want to introduce themselves? Does people? No. You know what? No. I just <laughs> noticed we lost two viewers when I mentioned Homestuck. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then I won't have us go around and list our favorite Fire Emblem engaged characters. No, no, no. One name and one reason. Oh no, just one name. One, uh, okay. one name and one sentence. I'll start with this. Fram, because everyone abandons her someday. Poor Fram. Oh I go next. Clan, because he's Deku and he likes pickles. I, I'll go next because if not, I know nobody will pick him and I love him. I pick Jan, the little, because he's a little posh doctor kid who is also, I'm a healer butt and I love him. Wait, do they have to be engaged or can it just be Fire Emblem? I was, I was sticking with engaged, but you can, you can, you can break the mold. Fuck you. I pick Finn because he's I the best boy. Okay. If I knew who that, I I knew like who that was, then maybe I would. Sort <laughs> through the kidding. literally hundreds of Fire Emblem characters uh, and, and to tell us about Finn. I can send you the clips. <laughs> All right, so today we're... So me. All right, who's your favorite yeah. Fire Emblem engaged Yeah, who's character? Emily? Uh, right now, I, I, I think... Anna, because small. Oh, I love Anna. Because she's Reasonable. small and she just wants to find her family. And I bet she has a necklace that says once upon a December or whatever <laughs> December is called. The 10th Wyvern Moon. I appreciate how indignant she is every single time. She's like, I'm not shopping. I'm scoping out the competition. So she, it, Anna uh, sounds so formal. Call me Lady Anna. She, ahead, she, Anna. she just reminds me of she's what I wanted to convey with my PC that I almost never play called Robin, who I, I played in, in several of, of stream campaigns. You know She's got major Vanellope von Schweetz energy. She does. I actually thought at first that that was her voice actress, and I had to look it up. She's, um, what's fun is Anna is a character who appears in every Fire Emblem game, but usually she's a, an adult. So I choose to believe that this Anna's family is just two older Annas. <laughs> that, no, that's canon. 
<laughs> like that's that's not even a joke. <laughs> like in in Fire Emblem Awakening, they are just like Anna's are just the nurse joy of that world. Oh, oh my god! god. Every, I hate every Anna is a cousin to uh, the other Annas. I, I love that. it. All right, so Quest Friends, the podcast you're here for. Um, we got a series of questions on our uh, end of campaign Q&A. Not end of campaign, no, not end of arc. End of arc. The campaign is still ongoing. Mm-hmm. End of arc Q&A, uh, end of arc survey. Uh, we're going to answer some of them. I'm going to split them around. Uh, we've got them separated into talking about the show creation, talking about, like, what's our favorite stuff, uh, talking about... Um, fun questions and uh, stuff like that. Also, Emily, I want you to know that people will be able to see the chat messages. <laughs> I don't care. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just stick our internal chat over here on the left, I guess. So people, yep, it's now up there. Let me just let me just adjust it. Um, yep, people can now see our our internal chat. We're arguing over the, the baby name Miles. Because uh, it was mine first. I'm just like that. farther away from that. Having a son. <laughs> but we yes. can't think of any any non-very feminine names. Emily and I were thinking of like, oh, if we had, we had a son, what kind of name would we want to wanna have? And um, We just sat there for a <laughs> long while. And then at, at one Miles. point, Emily said Miles. And I'm like, hey, that's Tails' power, name from Sonic. And then we told Hallie that out of fun and she got mad. Um, yeah, because it's mine. <laughs> Anyways, you the first. I also like the name Miles, but then you said that it was Tails' name, and I was like, "Well, that that just ruins everything." <laughs> it makes it perfect. Anyways, we all need to have children named Miles. Everybody will. Every but single one of us. Each, each mile. subsequent Miles gets an additional. It's like Roman numerals. So it's Miles with one eye, then Miles with two, with eyes, two eyes, then Miles with three That's... eyes, then Mavuls with the so, eye. So, so they're so they're just a monarchy, is what you're saying. Yes, we're, we're just a dynastic, a monarchy, and, and specifically <laughs> a dynasty as related by Rob and Jamie of Totalis Rankium. Miles one, Miles two. Miles two. Yes. All right. Anyways, our first question is Sparky okay? Oh no! I feel like she's often the butt and target of people's jokes. Oh man, fancy that! My character being the butt and target of people's jokes. What I love who, is who could foresee this. <laughs> what I love is that we started this campaign joking that like, oh, Kike would be more of the straight man in the way your season one character was, Hallie. And personality-wise, I feel I still feel like he is, and yet. You can't Here undo the role player behind the character. One arc in, and fam, I'm not okay. Apparently, that's the secret. Who you are. <laughs> that's the secret to my powers. I'm just <laughs> not okay. Speaking, my characters never will be. Speaking of, let's um, let's go into let's start by talking about our characters a little bit. So this is the first one that is um from from someone listed the only person who listed they wanted their name so this is from our friends over at czar power uh, of your and i'm just quickly uh, typing in the question so the question is how much of your actual personality blends into the characters you are playing and how much of it is something that you are just role playing 
I can go first if yeah. you want. Uh, there's a long-standing joke uh, among the other quest friends that Tom only ever plays himself, and it is like not not one hundred percent true, but it's still mostly true. Like there's I I definitely do tend to just play a different a different kind of idealized version of myself in most characters, and I don't think either of my quest friends characters have been an exception to that i've noted i noticed um the more comfortable you got with hilda the more tomisms is wrong but the more similarities in some of her behaviors she expressed with you uh and i noticed that with <laughs> i noticed that with everyone everyone feels like is kind of fitting some similar roles to season one but hilda specifically i'm like i started noting as you got more comfortable I'm like that's something tom would do this is Tom, uh, <laughs> which isn't uh, bad. It's it's not. Uh, no, it's, it's a fine. good baseline to start with, and I think we we definitely, you know, the characters aren't identical. Yeah. They're definitely as far apart as Fire Emblem characters between games. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I the only time I'm not playing myself is when I've fully committed to a gimmick character, like <laughs> uh, the Reverse Morgana I'm playing for my siblings' campaign. That or just being the the worst person imaginable. You're, you're <laughs> terrible up. villains. They're, they're, <laughs> do you think my villains are despicable? You haven't encountered Tom at his absolute most just... I, I call them the Tommy Hall gang because 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 we were playing some kind of politics board game with Tammany Hall and he was so fucking annoying the whole time. Like it wasn't even a role playing game; it was a board game, and he was like, "Oh, I'm honest, John. I'm going to run for politics." But he was like better than what I just did because he can pull off the voice really well, and it pisses me off. And he's just really fucking good at that kind of sneezily little villain. And so he and so I just think of that board game anytime Tom's a dick in the role play. And anyways, um, everyone else, how 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 do your characters uh, bleed into? Uh, how do you bleed into your characters if you do at all? I and mean, if you claim you don't, I'm going to fight you and say no. I can point out for each and every one of you. I will say I stuck to it better this time than I did last season. <laughs> well, I feel like like it slowly, it slowly you bled slowly into Ellie last season. Yeah. Like you tried to make her all tough and like Yeah, it didn't work. And then suddenly it was like, my children! I worry about <laughs> everyone! My babies! I think the difference yeah. is that Irene, Ellie was an old lady who was like rough and gruff. Irene is small, so when she's angry, it's still cute, which I think is the critical difference for me and why you're able to keep her so, like, succinct. Also, I think it also helps that we set her up as, um, as a, and she didn't really stick this role that much, but she was set up as almost like what it would normally be an NPC rival. And I don't know if that helped mm -hmm. at all or not, but. Yeah, yeah, I, I think once I gave myself permission to be a little bit mean, I was able to stop myself bleeding in a little bit more little than bit I did season one. Because se season one, it ended up being mostly me, but that was not the plan. This time, she talks like I did when I was a kid, but 
And I was really bossy. <laughs> but. Counterpoint, though. Your weak spot with Ellie was the children. Yeah. And I was going to joke, Irene wouldn't abandon children because she's a child, but she she does. She I told has, you we were not doing that plot she, point again. No, no. Irene has four, <laughs> arguably six, if you count the Mossies as three, children that she carries around with her. I never thought about it and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it wouldn't even abandon Boidle Rat. <laughs> it's just no, like... Again. She just got a random boidle rat in the middle of the woods and it's hers yeah. now. That is the reason you got accused of murder. That's true. That's Listen, true. I kept her and she's mine. Doesn't matter. Irene found some small animals and plants, I guess, and needs to take care of them. <laughs> Important. All right. What about Kike and Sparky? Any, any notable thoughts there? I do, but why, why should I go first? Why are you doing that? My nose goes. Okay. I mean, uh, so I, I try to make Kike more, like, related to my, like, background. So, like, you, even if it's not, like, I guess explicitly said, Kike is, like, Mexican or whatever that equivalent is in the uh, in the hereafter world and so I try to apply many things of the places and the culture I grew up with Kike's culture and background and things which is why sometimes I have him speak in Spanish or have like you know specific cultural references that he says uh, so in there he's pretty similar um, and I mean I also made him a scientist because I'm a scientist so you know in that in that sense um so yeah, that's I think that's what I have. I'm not an old, uh, tired, straight man, uh, but I think for the rest of it, it's pretty related to me. <laughs> that's I, fair. I feel like we all made more conscious decisions this time mm -hmm. to bring in parts of our own life experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that was one thing that we had talked about, especially when we got more to a world that uh, wasn't, it isn't our world. Uh, and whether or not something is the same or not, completely up in the air. Russia is now Zarvia, and Tsar Nicholas is still in charge. But also, like, we just have, like, uh, and we, I've never named the country that uh, Hereafter takes place in, but, like, it might be the USA. It might be. It might not be. You know, it it could. Be, I I don't know. Could it be Brodia. We don't know. Brodia, <laughs> the kingdom of bros. Uh, so it um, but yeah, because we were going in a more more realistic world. Um, I, I it was. I, I'm. I really like that people embrace like personality and and culture and um and uh other related stuff from your lives i think that made things a lot richer um unfortunately i uh already had done that in season one by making the main antagonist a uh a white man who thought he knew best uh so all i could really do is make that man worse even though i don't th even though based on what we set up elliot isn't actually white but making the man part at least worst mm -hmm. all right hallie um 
similarly to Tom's thing, there was also a running gag within Quest Friends that Sparky Malarkey is just my future. That wasn't <laughs> intentional. It just sort yeah. of happened. I was like, oh no, this who- is just older me, isn't it? <laughs> I, I hope I hope I hope that my friends don't become annoying to me in my <laughs> midlife crisis where I'm like, shut up, gang. I want to go back to Quest Friends in like 10 to 15 years. <laughs> Living alone in a van in the junkyard, but I do want a van and I do want a junkyard. Yeah, a van and junkyard that honestly sounds yeah, pretty yeah, sweet. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, Sparky Malaki's just me accidentally. Uh, she got a lot easier to play once I was just like, what would old me do? I'm just going to predict what I would do 10, 15 years in the future. It's fine. So, so Sparky is old you and Hopper Scotch, your cowboy accountant from the first season of Quest Friends. What, what did we joke he was? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Anyone else remember what we joked? No one remembers. Mm. Because I no think one I remember. Perfect man. No one. Hallie's perfect man. That is what we call one hell of a transition. Um... I gotta write it down. What happens? My choices are not conscious, but at least, but at least, I don't have it at least. My choices are not conscious. <laughs> so the, the next question is if the team from season one were to meet this team from oh season God. two, they ask what would they say to each other, but I'm gonna generally, but we also have like, what would those interactions look like? Essentially, if there was an opportunity uh, where the two campaigns met each other, which technically they are crossed over in canon through the Damon Saloon Halloween special, so it's theoretically possible. But if they met, what would happen besides, oh no, this young cowboy is hot? <laughs> okay, so she wouldn't say that. What she would say is like, is like, wow, what thrift store did you find that jacket at? Meaning it as a compliment because thrift stores are cool, but also trying to hide that she thinks it's really cool because being genuine is for losers. And then uh, Hop, would, who was very proud of his attire, would be like, oh, I made this. It's my prized possession. And you got your outfit upgraded at Petty and Pocket. Like, this is a customized yeah, outfit a that Hopper has. this is a princess outfit. And be like, what thrift store did you find that at? And be like, oh, yeah, I guess it does look really unique. Like something like something you you uh, stumble across at a at a thrift store. I it, it, yeah yeah. This it feels incredibly personal. <laughs> this really does feel like you talking to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Even now, Hallie cannot avoid being bullied by the team. Everyone, leave me alone. So for a quick two-second summary of uh, each season one character for anyone who listened, uh, who didn't listen, uh, Tom played Shock, a, uh, a boy wizard who was uh, raised by machines, uh, Jungle Book style. Uh, Ari played Misha Jarvis, a very curious android with amnesia, who had um, who had a dark backstory that didn't really reflect in the characters the character was just really cute and sweet and curious <laughs> and it worked i i think it worked really well but it's uh it was fun and then we've touched on hallie's uh and emily's characters hallie played a cowboy accountant um named hopper scotch who Very was just boy. ben white from parks and rec and <laughs> emily played ellie badge who started off as a badass old lady and ended the campaign as she was still everyone. badass. She was, but she did end the she campaign was. as everyone's mom. Yeah. Like, but I thanks to moms Ellie, aren't badass. Thanks to that Ellie. Is... 
Wow. Talk <laughs> about a oh, man. For God's sake. Well, I'm gl- I guess I'm glad my... nothing from International Women's Day. I guess I'm <laughs> yeah. glad that my dad is the only parent who listens to this podcast because my mom <laughs> can't handle the swearing. Um, Your mother-in-law listens. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the Quest Friends wiki for season one, I have a section for characters called, like, Relationships. And thanks to Emily's character specifically, mm-hmm. that section is so complicated for so many characters. It's just a web of like, well, this person is linked to this person who through this person is linked to this person. It's just it is it is playing the degrees of separation, but with family relationships. Anyways, <laughs> that's the lowdown on season one characters. Uh, what what would these interactions look like? I feel like. So this is this is an extra one, but also I feel like Booker and Ness would bully each other. <laughs> Was this book? It would be outright war. <laughs> what do they think they are? Like a brick? Like we have bricks. Brickle! What do we need books for? You can't even narrate like what's inside you. So what is Brickle! the point of you? Like I still have to read you. <laughs> the last recoup means. I'd like to see you try. <laughs> Bring it on. A Pokemon this... battle between Booker and Ness would be really Except their Pokemon like... trainers are desperately trying to, like, pull them back. Like, get back! Get back! And both their Pokemon trainers are Tom. <laughs> oh, no! Yeah, you have to navigate that. It's yeah, yeah. To talk to myself. <laughs> Um, I think Kike and Hopper would get along really well. Like they're t- the two like straight men of the group with really interesting hobbies, and they would, you know, Hopper would be so in awe of Kike. Like like <laughs> Hopper loves Jameson Hopper, right? Kike is basically just Jameson Hopper to Hopper Scotch because oh he's been alive for so- he's been around for such a long time. He's technically dead, I know, but like <laughs> but like. <laughs> He has done a lot it's and true. knows many things and is very wise. Yeah, and Kike would it. like Hopper because he just seems like he would seem the most like, you know, the most straightforward person in the group he's with. And so and, and they would be able to talk about like math and, and Kike likes math too. And just in case anyone gets confused, because even though I knew this wasn't the case, I confused myself. When we say straight men... We mean like in the comic sense and not the men who are straight and therefore bros. <laughs> that's not, that's not that's what we mean. Like, Please tell me someone like, is going to write know, that story for English Patreon. English language is weird. Like, why do you call straight man? I don't like, know. Why is that a phrase? Yeah, Dreamwitch, Blame the 1920s. Dreamwitch from the chat wants uh, someone to write the story of Booker and Ness fighting for the Patreon. Funnily enough, I resisted the urge to do a fan art shout out and say someone draw the two of them fighting. <laughs> God. So maybe wh- whoever gets to it first. I I won't resist that. If you're watching this and you draw fan art, draw Ness and Booker fighting. <laughs> that's that's not a request. It's a command. <laughs> Do I also little, want this. The little squabbling hands where you just see their hands like, sh- yeah, Crabble! like like. Bookers are pages. <laughs> Poking little, his little eye little stalks at Ness. Crab limbs. 
Any any other thoughts on how these two uh, teams would get along? I feel like Ellie would bond with, but also have mutual discomfort with Kike. Oh God, <laughs> they're both like the old people, and so like relating with that, but also just being very opposite people. Ellie yeah, does so have different. Ish- uh. Ellie does have issues with death. She she had gone on multiple monologues about how, oh God, I'm so old. Well, well she, yeah. and she was upset about her 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 joints being creaky, old but people I, things, but like, things. I, but like I feel like Ellie is the opposite because she's like, ah yes, let's go and like punch things and go to the adventure. And Kike is mm-hmm. like, please leave me alone. Please leave me alone. Neither is fully coping with their age super well. They're just doing it in opposite ways. Mm -hmm. Have we have we thought about the implications of of the of crossing over a world where one of our most famous lines was "Death is when you don't come back." (laughs) Hereafter, where the dead are only a plane ride away. Like what the fuck? Oh my god! You guys can just come back after you're dead. What is that about? We ruined our own messages. We ruined our own life. Our own life. The 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 the, the ghost of Aegon comes back and is just like, I did all of this for nothing. <laughs> Death doesn't matter. God damn it. Just kidding. I feel like if the if our season one characters ended up in the season two world, they would just be really really concerned about the apocrypha being in a loop because they're seeing all these people who died. Would be so it worked in your world. And like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then everyone's like, Sparky, we thought you had conspiracy theories. Look at these four. <laughs> I'm just thinking of Sparky seeing Aegon's plan to like trap people, trap trap his friends in a loop for all time. No. And just being like, you know, he's got a point. Oh no. <laughs> a lot of people would be happier that way. <laughs> All right, uh, I think I think we've I think uh, let's move on before we have uh, Sparky do more uh, apologetics for a war criminal. <laughs> uh, all right, Sparky's so, introduction to war crime. I've got four different categories of questions. I've got fun questions, which are ones like uh, the ones we just asked, like, "Oh, what's your favorite this?" Uh, like, what would happen if these characters are interacted? Um, I've got what is your favorite. I've got the longest one, which is questions about the show creation. So about the podcast or like, how did we come up with things? What's this plot point? Stuff like that. And then finally, I have two questions, which I have labeled as my personal favorites. So which which do you want? Which of those four categories do you want me to do next? What was the first category again? Uh, it was ones like the one we just did. Like, uh, if your characters met, what would uh, what would that be? Uh, I see. So fun questions. What do we like? How do we make the show? Or what you know, plot stuff. And then Kyle's favorite questions. You could always roll a d4. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, <laughs> roll a d4. All right, I'm gonna start rolling d4s. One. So we're gonna do one of my favorite questions. So I'm gonna write this out. So the question is, uh, the question was, uh, if you could pick one, would you rather hit, kick, or punch one of these characters? (laughs) Unfortunately, they picked three characters. Yeah. 
So we're going to change that to fuck, Mary kill. Or if you would rather smooch, date, punch, Maybelline, Elliot, or Lorraine. This is like really, this, no, I don't. For reference, Lorraine was Hopperscotch's rival uh, from season one. It was the first time, the, the episode where I, she first appears, I think is the first time I really broke Hallie on the show. These are all my rivals. <laughs> I've got my answer. All right, hit me, Tom. All right, so fuck Lorraine, marry Maybelline, kill Elliot. Maybelline probably has good health insurance because she <laughs> works for Scuba Corp. She just got, she got literally scrubbed from their records, Tom. All right, but She's still, on, she is on the run in a train somehow, with though. a mouse. But like, that is its own positive because it means you don't, you don't have to worry about her. Like, none of these people are like great people, but like, it's it's a way to get out of the marriage, you know? <laughs> but definitely definitely kill Elliot because he sucks. Yeah. And Lorraine, I mean, come on. Lorraine is the only one who would be good. <laughs> uh, what exactly? What we're at all gonna pick. We're all yeah. Okay. So at the thing that you to. Show of hands, is anyone not gonna pick Lorraine to sleep with? <laughs> <laughs> She's literally one of the only characters I designed specifically with her hotness as part of her. Like, I never describe that she's hot, but, like, she's got the air, you know? So, yeah, I, I'm the exact same as Tom. I started with Lorraine. Then, like, who's going to pass up the opportunity to kill Elliot? And then, uh... This and, was my question. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. And then uh, okay. Maybelline, was, Maybelline was the third one. Um, she is on, uh, my thought is Maybelline is on the run. So, you know, she has the greatest opportunity to grow. Yes, I'm pulling an <laughs> I can fix her with Maybelline, <laughs> who is arguably one of the two biggest sources of conflict across the show so far. <laughs> but I can fix her more than I can, Elliot. <laughs> and Lorraine has a very specific role to play. Oh, Kyle. Does it count? If the person you're going to marry, you just want to do like, a, oh, my husband has mysteriously disappeared. That's a cop out. Ah, That's a cop out. All right. Well, Helly thinks any thoughts from Emily or Ari? I mean, I have the same thing that you all have. I, feel I mean, I, like here's the thing. I want to allow Hallie's cop out to get a different answer because the, the problem with this is is not that it's a bad question. It's just that the answer is a little too obvious. Like there is a clear front runner in each category. Also, the person who asked this question, apparently this is what they wanted. They were just afraid to specifically ask it. I'm so glad. Don't be wrong. This was the question I was like, I told literally everyone but Hallie about this question beforehand, which is why all of us knew our answers immediately. That's rude. Wow. Uh, but at the same time, here I am. So, Emily, when we talked, you had Elliot and Maybelline switch. Do you still have them switched? No. So I went back and forth when we first talked because I was thinking Elliot works all the time, so he, I don't have to deal with him. And, and then, like, loveless marriage, that's fine. It's going <laughs> to happen either way. But, like, he probably so, has better health insurance than Maybelline because he's a fucking prosecutor. Yeah. So, like, he's but, got it made. He's rich. But, but the uh, problem is he's a lawyer, which means if I want to get divorced, 
it's not going to go well for me. That's why you kill him. <laughs> like after you marry him. Sparky like does papa. also know, though, from experience that if Elliot needs to make the time to harass someone, he will. <laughs> this is true. All right. Yeah, so I I am the same, but that was my train of thought was like, he would probably be more absent, but I can't divorce him as easily and kind of weighing the pros and cons of those two. But like Lorraine, duh. All right. So Tom, Tom convinced me. I'll let you do the cop out, Hallie. What, what are your answers? <laughs> okay. Okay. So listen, so Maybelline and I get married. Yeah. For the tax purposes. Yeah. Like none of us want it, but she's off on her train with Pepito. Like she's living her life. I'm living mine, but on paper, we can now claim deductions or whatever you can do when you're married with someone. Like that's, that's what this is. Like a political um, marriage. Yeah, exactly. Like a political marriage. Like we don't, we don't, you know, we've both got a lot going on. So it's fine. This is mutually beneficial for both of us. Maybe somewhere down the road, we fall in love Hallmark movie style. Fine. <laughs> That's what got me with Lorraine, who I am killing, by the way. Um, I'm fucking Elliot because he's not going to be good. And then I can hold that over him the rest of his life. (laughs) It's true. He he would be bad and fast. Yeah, that was my first thought when I was trying to think through everything is that like, I would spend the shortest time with Elliot. Right? If you just fucked him and then left. Like, that's, that's, it doesn't require the same forethought as killing someone does. Well, and it also, like, just, if you think about the act itself, it's going to be quickest with Elliot. Yeah, that's. So, like. Would be a considerate, yes. Which would take longer? (laughs) Murdering him. You know. I mean, if it's we all... get Agent Forty Seven on the job, <laughs> <laughs> we we do, we do not have a, well, we do not have assassins in this world. Although I suppose not yet. I suppose <laughs> Toucan would be a pretty good assassin, <laughs> as would. would Irene's Mon. So Booker is in training, Kyle. Yeah, he he's in training, but he's too he's too clumsy. He's been leaping off of door frames. All right, four. We're gonna do I another. Bet the get there someday. Okay, um, yeah, I like this one. So this next question is, and you can choose an existing one or you can make up your own. If you could be a necromon, what necromon would you be? Mm, I know this is a cop out, but I really like Pokio. Tiny little cactus chef. That's, that's me. They've got dreams. They've got dreams. They just want to be a chef. Also, they're a healer, but like that's great. <laughs> I think I mean it's probably a cop-out, but I think I like I like Tukan because he's a giant bird that can wreck shit, but he has a heart of gold. I mean, you you've played <laughs> him in out of out of non-recorded I did. sessions. It was really patrons. fun. <laughs> um, I'd want to be a pick pick little deer. Pick pick, really scared. Little, little shaking, shaking deer. Shaking the I'm already a pick pick. I'm stressed all the time. <laughs> uh, Same. Yeah, we are all pick picks inside. We are all pick picks <laughs> in our hearts. <laughs> what about you, Emily? I'm. Chill? Or they already answered. No, well, they I... said that they're already a pick pick, not that they want mm-hmm. to be a pick pick. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I think mm. I would like to be a booker (laughs) (laughs) well like he's so mobile 
Yeah. That that's really like because the mossies are really slow. They kind of have to roll and, you know, flump around. But I feel like Booker has a nicer range of motion. I so I've been tough because I've been thinking of a lot of answers that are cop outs. So like I'm thinking of, oh, I know what the legendary Necromon are like and they'd be pretty cool to be. Although actually their backstory makes them kind of not. I don't think you want to. If you're a key clone, you're a man. (laughs) But you can only stay in the realm of the living through a dark deal that was made by some jackass named Eddie who's like really demanding and mean to everyone. Like the key clones during Die Card... All of them, when pressed, turned on Eddie so fast. <laughs> so like, fast. literally, the only two you had... There were three you had extended interactions with, and the two you tried to talk down instantly were talked down. Um, there is... There is... Uh, there is being the Necromon of four eels, being a heartthrob who falls <laughs> in love, but he didn't... Sammy didn't seem very happy... To be honest, did not. So I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna stick with mossies, because just to be a warm little moss ball hanging out in in my trainer's pocket sounds lovely. Yeah, that does sound nice. I I actually want to change my answer to boidle rat because I forgot about boidle rat, but I would just like to be combing through trash all of the time. (laughs) The cave where Fair. Rasputin kept the Boidle Rat was like nice. It's, it's a beautiful cave. It's a beautiful well, cave. Lots of gorgeous things. It's a cave. Something that literally sucks the soul out of invaders. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is, Home is security. <laughs> Don't have to worry about it. I'm just a Boidle Rat. You're just a Boidle Rat hanging out. Just a Boidle Rat with Rasputin. Hopefully, nothing ever happens to him. Um. All right. This next one, I'm going to answer. Um. I'm going to answer for myself because I've been talking a lot about plot points. Uh, And the question is, in essence, how do, how do I plot? And I think this could be fun for other folks who GM. They can, they can hop in as well. Um, But the question is essentially, I heard you say you usually know the ending and build from there. It's true. I always start from the climax. I really like knowing my climaxes. Um... And how do I, how do I know? How do I make it work? Um, and the short version is I, and this was truth campaign one. I know vaguely how hereafter is going to end. I know who the final boss is, but I don't know like the details of that. Um, and for each arc, I have an idea of this is generally what's happening. I've talked about it with the players. It's, it's how I'm structuring the world. Essentially how we explore it is how each arc is going in each arc. I've already know, like, this is vaguely who the villains are. And I flesh out details, but usually by the start of the arc, I know exactly what it is, and I know the end point I want to get to. Uh, and the way I do that is uh, through what I call the roadmap, uh, the, the road trip method of GMing. So lots of people talk either about open world or about railroading. So to put an example of the game Tom ran for us yesterday, uh, in a game, there was a dragon who appeared and was like, I need you to get something for me. (laughs) Um, And so there are multiple methods. There's the method of Tom doing everything he can to really coerce us into doing this thing. Or there's what he did do, which was um, we insulted the dragon for an hour 
And then it was very much up to us whether or not we accepted it. Uh, and some people get even broader where it's just like the players have ultimate control and it's in this free range world. I'm kind of in the middle and uh, and I think from what I can tell, I think the way Tom's running our home game aligns, you can tell me if you're wrong, Tom, if I'm wrong, but like the way I figure it out is I will figure out the end point of a campaign and I'll figure out a couple of touch points I want to get to. And then the players just drive in that vague direction. And yeah, like, that's basically it. I'll steer it so that we vaguely go back that way. But if they don't want to take the highway and want to take a shortcut through, you know, the cornfield, sure, we're going to do that. I know how we get there, but I, I know where we're going, but I don't know how we're going to get there. And so, and here's big spoilers for the end of end of uh, the 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 story. As I mentioned, I have spoilers for anyone watching live. Like, so here's what I knew at the beginning of this story. I knew a couple of episodes I wanted to do. So I knew, like, I wanted to do the tag team duel. Wanted to introduce Irene. Honestly, a lot of the first half was more structured than it needed to be. But the big things I knew is I knew that. I wanted Rasputin to appear episode one. I wanted him to be replaced by uh, by someone else, replaced by some sort of uh, changeling in his subsequent appearances. And I knew the final scene of last episode happened exactly how I imagined it. Uh, now, I did have backups in case you had all figured out like, oh, this isn't actually Rasputin. I had like a backup of, oh, this is how I might handle it. But uh, I knew that's where I wanted to go. And I knew I wanted to end with a trial because I thought, oh, that's a fun way to end this rivalry and have Irene ask for help. And it's a fun uh, thing for Sparky. Uh, so I knew I knew Sammy Esther was going to die specifically, which is why he... Uh, I, he's in the prophecy at the beginning. So I knew Sammy was going to die. I knew this changeling was going to be involved. And I want to say it was like three adventures in. I knew Lucas Bang was going to do it. Cause we have a, we have like a mystery in season, uh, season one. And that one, I once got a little critiqued for not making it a character who was emotionally gut wrenching. So then I thought who'd be the worst person to kill Sammy Esther. And we went from there. Um, but that was it. So I knew the end point and how we got there was then just figured out through play. So uh, the key clones, for example, uh, they appeared. I thought they were fun. Um, then during the Necromon Thief, I was like, ah, I want to set up. Um, I want I want to further Scuba Corps plot with with uh, stealing Booker. So I'll have them have a device that separates Necromon. Uh, and, and a scuba core guy and Sammy will be in charge of it. And then Ari's like, no, that's a key clone. And I was like, cool. And then so after that episode, I knew the end point I wanted to get to. So I'm just like, all right, how do I take what happened and link it back? So I'm like, ah, well, I don't know how this this Rasp I don't know how Rasputin, quote unquote, is going to be involved. So I'll have him be the benefactor. I'll have him be linked to Eddie. Um, and then, uh, the die card attack. I was like, well, I know I want a fancy gala where Sammy dies, but that's kind of boring. Let's do die hard and we'll just do die hard for a little bit. And then, um, I'll figure out what the main folks are doing, but then based on what happens in die hard, I'll then write out the mystery. It's, uh, 
It's for me the most effective method, a method where I know I mentioned contingencies earlier, but I don't really think of contingencies. I just basically say, here's where I want to go. We're going to play a session. And then at the end, I'm going to figure out how does that link, not even how do I redirect, but how do I link what just happened to where we want to go? And sometimes that's very intentional. Like once Eddie came back, once another key clone appeared, I was like, all right, I got to pay these guys off. I got to do something important with the key clones. But before then, they weren't going to appear until maybe the final arc. I was going to be like, oh, maybe I can have a fun callback where Kike calls on the key clones. <laughs> but once Ari and uh, once Ari off of Emily's suggestion decided, no, they're important now. I was like, all right, well, I want to I want to make them important. And now the key clones are back to a place of I don't really have plans for them. Like if they come back appropriately, sure. But like they've they've had they have their little arc done so yeah i have my big things i want to get to i have the things i note as here's something important like uh walnut being upset at hilda or i have some other stuff that i'm like oh i want to follow up on this um that doesn't have a specific like this is the end point and then i just link things together that was very rambly what are other people's thoughts on how they run games my well, fight or flight kicks in <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember the games i run yeah, Emily is a full freedom, whether they want it to be or not. If you haven't listened to Girl Underground, that is one of the most on our bullshit we have ever been during a session. I, I honestly... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Ari. Uh, I, I start by reading uh, a, a pre-published module, and then I'm like, no, I actually uh, want to take out 90% of this and replace it with memes. And that is how I do my campaigns. It's a solid choice. That is how I do everything. It depends on the circumstances, but my current method is very similar to what Kyle described. Um, as mentioned for our home game, um, I started out... It, I didn't actually have the endpoint fully articulated right away, but yeah. I had a... I had a semi-clear idea of what the villain goal was, and over time I refined what that endpoint looked like. Um, and I had several things that I knew I wanted to happen, and the current one being the last of those like things that definitely had to happen. No, actually, that's untrue. There is one more after this point. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Um, and then trying to fill in the blanks along the way. Um, my my level of prep varies wildly from session to session. Um, sometimes I outline quite a lot of details, uh, although when I do that, I tend to either forget or just like change something on the fly anyway. Um, and sometimes I'll go in with like, eh, I've got a vibe here. I think I'm going to make this up as I go. Fair. How about you, Hallie? You're you're gonna run. You're you're running the the next uh, adventure. That was my question. I was asking, can I talk about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it uh, hasn't released yet. As of, I mean, as of today, obviously, but as of when yeah. this is in Podcatchers, okay. it also hasn't released because it's coming after this. But can I can I say that it's coming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I announced it in today's episode. Yay! Um, um, this 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 season's version of the cookie crew was called cryptid cryptids 
And I ran it because it's this season's version of the cookie crew. Uh, but my style is mostly panic. Uh, and so I have a lot of notes that don't mean anything, like nothing. They never show up. But having something written down helps me, even though I then ignore it a lot. Uh, the title of Cryptid Cryptids is based on a joke that I do not make a single time during the session. Like, I don't I don't know why that escaped me. I don't know why it wasn't like, oh, be sure to pencil in a part in the adventure where you can just like slip Especially that because in. there is a clear opportunity for you to make that joke. There is a very clear opportunity, but you know, I just had the panic brain because I'm running an episode. <laughs> so I was like, I can't do that. No, no, this, <laughs> that's exactly what I said in the episode. I just started crying. Uh, so I don't, what I did that I thought would be helpful was I just wrote out like, okay, call to adventure is this thing. I used like my own hack of the wheel of the, of the adventure wheel. That is a real thing, but that I only know from Brian David Gilbert's video about kingdom hearts. That's like call to adventure. The mentor helps you. This thing happens. So then I have all of that. And then like denouement, I have like, okay, here's what happens so that I know like, okay, based on whatever's happening in the moment, I can move it to what I need to happen for story purposes. <laughs> but you know, there were so many times that they were like, I want to do this. And then I was like, oh man, what would an organic world look like organically responding to this thing this player <laughs> wants to do? And I just sat there and was like, I need a minute guys. <laughs> I didn't, because I just, I don't I don't know. I panic, I'm panicking a lot lately. Mm -hmm. But But the thing that helped me the most when I was planning was drawing out the spaces that these things were happening. Like I was like, no thoughts had empty when I was planning, but then I drew a map, not like a useful map, but it was, but just like, oh, this is what this person's house looks like. And then this is what this like um, public place that they go to looks like. And then that gave me ideas. I was like, oh, there's probably like this thing over there. And then I can do this. Um, no one interacted with most of what I drew down, but that's fine because that's it's fine. That's how it goes. That's what I did uh, when I first started GMing. I had very, uh, very in-depth, uh, in-depth maps, uh, which I eventually cut. Um, but for me, it, I still need to have a solid idea of what the, what is this location vaguely like. Yeah. So that I, I don't do know. That, that just really helps me kind of get grounded in it a little bit. Feel like it's something that I actually made up and can play in without panicking that much. I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it, guys. Don't worry about it. It's fine. All right, we're going to go, uh, we're going to do two back-to-back -back questions. Um, these are going to go into the what What do we like. Um, so I'm going to do, I'm going to do the less self-indulgent one first. And then I'm going to do the self-indulgent one. So the not self-indulgent one is, um, what is your favorite thing about yours? and uh, other players' PCs. Oh, one last thing from the last question while people think about this. Stars and Wishes, really great tool. It lets mm -hmm. you know what people really liked about a session and what they want to see. And it's not just directed at you as the game master, but at each other, but it gives you a good beat of how everyone's feeling. I uh, should have done Stars and Wishes after Cryptid Cryptids. I can't believe mm -hmm. I didn't do that. All right, it's really nice. Everybody. Like, I know one of the, we're doing, um, I know like Emily keeps being like, I want school. I want school. So uh, I have, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to do two school adventures on uh, next arc and stuff like that. But all right, back to the current question. What do you like about your, your characters and each other's characters? PCs specifically. 
I like that Irene is really mean. <laughs> and Emily was like, a little mean. I was like, a little. That's what we're going for. No, Irene has destroyed Sparky on more than one occasion. And it upsets me personally, but it also pleases me personally. Ironically, my favorite thing about, about Emily's PC is, is that character's ability to just destroy adult woman sparky malarkey um when we talked about what kind of dead emily uh not emily what kind of dead irene would be we both came to phantom but with very different interpretations i was like oh yeah because irene's just a poor little baby that no one really that doesn't really feel seen by anybody and emily's like yes because phantoms are angry (laughs) i i said poltergeist you did, all right all right you did poltergeist but same we both basic did, like, idea spirits yeah and i said ah oh, yes angry spirit and you said ah oh, yes sad spirit mm-hmm. i don't it's just it's so fun to see emily specifically play someone mean <laughs> because of their history with uh ellie and because of who they are as a person <laughs> uh yeah emily emily's uh character in cryptid cryptids is not mean they are not mean in cryptid cryptids no, I, 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 I love my character in Cryptic Cryptic. <laughs> uh, I, I love him very much. I, uh, oh, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I really appreciate how well all of you commit to voices for characters. I think this is, uh, Ari is particularly strong at doing like really distinctive, clear voices for characters. But I think Irene might be Emily's best voice yet of their mm-hmm. characters. Solid. It's uh, very good. And, and like Sparky is also like a really, really good voice. Like you guys do so well at like giving them a life and personality through that. It's very, yeah, it's very interesting because I know both Ari and Hallie at separate points told me yeah, I'm going to abandon a character voice and editing. I'm like, no, you fucking didn't. It changed. It changed to something that feels more natural to the two of you. But there's still voices. There's still a clear difference in cadence and delivery and personality than the way that you normally uh, normally present yourself. It's good to know because I, I, I... Oh, sorry. I feel like no, I interrupted. No, I, I feel like I don't have a... a sep- distinct voice and cadence for Kike like I did for Misha but I also you know <laughs> Misha was a very uh in your face kind of it's, voice it's not as distinct but that's like comparing that's comparing a cartoon to a picture of a normal man like obviously <laughs> Kike is a cartoon but like yeah, yeah yes yeah. one will be slightly less vibrant um uh, I think I also gotta say that I like I, I like so Irene, I like that Irene is is rude, but at the same time, I like how she is also a little kid at heart. And like that that appears more when she's like, I'm an adult, I can take care of myself. But like at the same time, she like accepts help in her own way while being like, I'm an adult. And like I like that. It's 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 very fun, and this will be my one. It's very fun seeing the difference between Hilda and Irene and how they express being kids, and I guess because of time now, technically one of them is a teen, in uh, in different ways. Because, like, Irene sounds and acts very young, 
but she intentionally she wants to feel big she wants mm-hmm. to feel old whereas hilda i feel like is more open about who she is but like will will it was it was very f- funny listening to the last episode where hilda is just throwing out like very specific terminology like and this is what the prosecution thinks and stuff like that but with tom's delivery it feels like a kid who's just like all right i gotta research everything about lawyers that i can (laughs) right now and i'm gonna come in prepared damn it uh it's it's definitely they're they're similar ages but they both convey it very differently which i think is fun and it's it's ironic that i think the one who ultimately acts older uh, and more mature is the one who is less who seems to care a lot less about seeming old as opposed to Irene who in, who so incredibly wants to be an adult a prodigious adult I mean that's pretty straightforward it's I don't remember the exact quote of C.S. Lewis but he once wrote something to the effect of like when I became a man I put away childish things such as the fear of being seen as childish <laughs> I was thinking of that quote too because when you're young he's, yeah, it's like when you're young there's a certain it's it's healthy to some extent to be like I'm not a child but then you just grow out of that and you're like just kidding I don't know shit I really admire how you all stick to your characters, but also adapt. I think I'm learning this season in a way I didn't really have to last season about like gently adjusting your character to like feel more comfortable with them. Yeah. Um, Ellie was not a gentle adjustment. It was no. a hard, it was a hard left turn. I kind of just. I I gave up with Ellie, and I think it ended up working out okay, but, like... Well, especially because in the context of the story, it worked really well. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that that's something that I very much admire that you guys seem to have a really good handle on. And I love what... I love what a mess Sparky is. Like... <laughs> Human disaster. She... And the thing is, like, she's good at stuff. She knows stuff. But there's so much just, I feel like, accidental self-sabotage. And it's just... I'm really glad to hear you say that because it was very important to me as a player that Sparky, like, is actually good at investigative journalism. The problem is that I am not good at that. And that also, (laughs) I have to roll dice. So, like, it's very important to me to to even if I fail a role to be like no Sparky is good at these things she's just also a hot mess. It's gonna be very fun to see Sparky. Uh, it's very fun that Sparky has completed her character arc and yet has multiple more arcs to continue being a hot mess. Just confident in it now. Yeah, it's, it's just this is who I am. This is how I be. <laughs> well, I feel like you also uh, made a really good decision with how you approached building a character like that with the mechanics that you used. Like, oh, she gets very focused on one thing, so she has an inability in perception with these specific things. So I feel like you were really smart about the way you built her 
to fit with that concept. <laughs> very, that's very perhaps too kind because I don't think I did anything. No, that was that was me making the investigates descriptor. Well, I wasn't going to say anything. I was just going to let do, you take it. I do want to say though that uh, that poker face has plagiarized Sparky Malarkey and um, <laughs> excellent, one, just Sparky, just Sparky. But at one point, Charlie Kale, the main character says something like i'm still a dumbass and i'm doing fine and that's that's the energy i'm going with for sparky in the future in the future arcs okay everyone should watch poker faces it's really good and it's got sparky malarkey in it give me your can peacock I, can I say login a and i might oh can i say a parenthesis of what other show sh- it should be watched yeah, but it's yeah. related to this only murders in the building if you want to see the relationship that we're aiming between kike and sparky it's the relationship <laughs> between brazos and what's his name um uh, oh martin short. Oliver, short. yeah yeah we got to pull we, we we finally got to pay that off in the trial episode yeah i was so happy about it was that. good that was also that's that's the aesthetic we want to accomplish that's the aesthetic we so desperately wanted. All right, time for the self-indulgent question. What NPC as a player and a GM are you always excited to see slash play? Rasputin! <laughs> yeah, that guy. My boy, who's gone now. You Maybe, know Rasputin. Unless you jailbreak him. Yeah. Oh, it's already in the works. You don't I... know about it yet, but it's in the works. <laughs> I will say... I was someone... panicked. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying when Hallie, because as I said, I knew Rasputin was going to be switched after episode one. So after episode one, when Hallie's like, I want to jailbreak Rasputin, I'm like, (laughs) for the love of God, that is the one thing. That is the one thing you cannot do. And I didn't like, I didn't tell her that much. I dissuaded her from it. But I, I, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, of literally, you could take literally any action in this world. We could make we could you know we could even play off a character not being interested in this tournament that we we were into like we did that freeing Rasputin was the one thing I was like I have nothing for this not it a is, single thing I can do to respond to this. It is a good thing that I didn't think about making that a cryptid cryptids adventure until just now. <laughs> Y'all want to jailbreak Rasputin as children? I mean, I I, I I would keep. We have more cryptid cryptid settings. If yeah. if you if you want to do that, I'll I have lots of thoughts on Tartarus. So it's gonna have to be one of those like he's on a trans he's in like a, a like a like a armored vehicle being transported from place to place. Yeah, we can do that. All right, all right, all right. Anyways, uh, other folks. I he's the worst, <laughs> but I also am always happy when Elliot shows up from the point of view of. In-character interactions are really fun because he's just horrible. And I feel like he brought the party together. (laughs) He really did, though. But Irene, again, just absolutely decimates him every single time he is is in the scene. He's the worst. Brings me great joy. (laughs) I would say Yunuen and Ariel. Oh yeah! I, I really like getting to see Kike's family. It's always extremely sweet. They're they're I I they're being written in for greater focus next arc because I was like I need Good. to the when I was looking at characters who had the potential to like really really grow. Uh, that was. I'm happy um, you like them. 
especially you, Ryan. I mean, both of them are great, but baby, I uh, the thing for me is I really like most of them. If I don't like a character, I'm not comfortable with them. I don't keep them around. Um, or if I'm not comfortable, like I like Katrina Collectum fine, but I wasn't super comfortable with her, so I was like, all right, she's she's getting dropped. Mm. Uh, Rasputin definitely was my favorite to play, and of my characters in my mind, the new the true Rasputin is one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> uh, that character, um, I'll even say pronoun she. Um, surprise! The benefactor wasn't a she because it was TT and surprise, but because she's actually <laughs> a she. When not Rasputin. I mean, you're fucking double twist. Um, but anyways, she is she and uh, a variant of Indrid Cold were the two characters I had coming into this arc. And Indrid Cold was actually stolen from a different project. So this changeling was the character I had back back when this was a completely different type of premise. Um, but I want to give a shout out to the Awkwards, which is most of my characters um but specifically a shout out to characters like uh ronda who really wants to be your friend but is deeply uncomfortable uh lionel who i just i just love he i i i love him because he is one of the characters a lot like rasputin who i can just like i just need a character to be a gag (laughs) sure and i've only done it like once with lionel but like God. It's he's just it's it's I nice know. to have those characters in your back pocket where you're like you can just have someone appear, um, which is also what Earl Earl Hawthorne Irene's father was, um, and I'm I'm giving Earl some stuff because I just I feel for him. He's <laughs> trying so hard, and yet his children are Irene Hawthorne and Elliot Hawthorne. This poor man. He does there have, was no winning. He does have two other children who are exasperating, but somehow. One of them literally died during an art performance, and she is somehow the second least exhausting of his children. Spoilers, man. There's more to Irene's family, and they're fun. Oh, ho, ho. Okay. I'm really excited for Irene's family. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm going to do, I think, if everyone else is feeling it, I'm thinking maybe like a half an hour more of questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right, let's do another roll. We're gonna do a four, so we're gonna do another, uh, another fun one. Uh, Your guy waited. I, 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 it's a D four. None of them roll good. <laughs> so the question for this one is: If the coffee machine is perpetually broken, where does Sparky get her coffee? We've Would never actually like committed to, to the coffee machines. Because, reminder, there are two two, um, being broken, but we have suggested it so often, this uh, this fan just is like, just assume that her machine is always broken, and honestly, I dig it. I really like, I like the idea that this has actually just been true every time we've said it. It's been a complication for Sparky. (laughs) (laughs) It is both broken, it's a Schrodinger's machine. It's both broken and not broken until Sparky presses a button and finds out if it will churn out coffee today. And she just you has think it. Sparky was in a good enough place to press a button on a coffee machine to find <laughs> out if it worked or not. Maybe she'll finally have the courage in chapter two. We just start with an opening button. scene of Sparky's van blowing up. <laughs> Which <laughs> Sorry, I, Jake, I. You have to come. 
fix it. J. Cal, that's my NPC. I'm happy to see uh, yeah. the one time he showed up. Um, and Ari, Ari can confirm this because I told her I was in an early draft of the outline of Arc 1. I was actually going to have Scuba Corp blow up uh, Sparky's trailer because she had gotten too close. I told you all that was the road of Vegas. <laughs> but I, I decided against it. Uh, Anyways, where did she, where did she get her coffee? I like to think there is some kind of like, there's like a Starbucks and a caribou next to each other. Like whatever our versions of those two things are like caribou. <laughs> and then like, like, like. Starbucks. Starbucks. That just sounds like a weird czarist crypto. <laughs> It's, it's both. both. <laughs> Christ. But also, hold on. Can I can I derail this question for a moment? Because Kyle, you said very offhandedly at the beginning of the stream that Zarvia is still ruled by Tsar Nicholas II, even in the current day. And what? What? You knew about this. Did you I? Played, you played the Zarvia crossover. That was it set in the current day? But yes. I just assumed it wasn't. No, Nikki Two is just permanent Zar. I just, that's that's why I just assumed that it was. I just assumed it was vaguely the 1900s, the oh, no, quintessential no, no. Russian time. No, that's why Nikki. the Romanovs are still running around, or yeah. at least Rasputin oh, is running around. As I never understood. I never didn't understand. understand. That's that's Nikki Two is on all the Starbucks coffees you get instead oh, of the God. mermaid. It's oh. just Nikki Two is a mermaid. That being become the Titanic adventure game. <laughs> that being said, Zarvia might just be stuck in like the 1900s. Oh, that or word. You Victoria know, we were talking Freeman. about the Apocrypha earlier. <laughs> oh, I oh no, Zar Nikki. I like this Aegon guy. Spiders, you say. He fucking would, though. <laughs> oh, what a Present day. Nikki 2. So, so she goes to the Nikki 2 Zarbucks. Oh. And then when they get annoyed with her there, she goes to the caribou. And then when they get annoyed with her at the caribou, she goes to the Zarbucks. I like to think <laughs> that instead of like paying money for the coffee, she just annoys the baristas there into giving her coffee oh. so that she'll leave. And then when it becomes the too much. The baristas. We're going to keep goes, the boo pun twice. <laughs> the other ones. Here, Boo's already suing Zarbucks for stealing the idea. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, oh. Wait, I, does that mean so people joke with their coffee cups that, uh, that Starbucks is waging war on Christmas? Hear me out. Nikki too has been convinced to actually wage war on Christmas. It wasn't enough to maintain the Julian calendar. <laughs> he has to eradicate the Gregorian calendar and its greatest proponent, Saint Nicholas, the patron saint of thieves. Christmas special idea. Tsar Nicholas II wages war on Christmas. Anyways. I mean, it all adds up. The Pope did technically sort of try to get us to kill Gaius Julius Caesar in that yeah, crossover. A little bit. Everybody should listen to the to the Zarvia crossover, which I also GM'd. It's I'm good. glad I'm glad that you clarified that she annoys them until they give her coffee because I was very startled that she was paying for this coffee. Oh no, not at all. I had assumed not. she like snuck into continental breakfasts. <laughs> and just drink their coffee. She also does that. 
a thing that my father and I have also cannot be <laughs> in my life. Not <laughs> she, she, she <laughs> hotels. She can't be bothered to press a button, but she can be bothered to harass. Oh, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, like technically, <laughs> these poor buristas, they all know her secrets of her heist board. They just don't believe her because she's clearly not all together. But she goes in and she's like, hey, you want to hear about the Ruba- the rutabagas? I call them rutabagas. Do you think they're going to be concerned for Sparky when she stops talking about the rutabagas and starts yeah, talking actually, about she'll something probably else? Start displaying healthy behaviors and they'll be like, "Hey, what the fuck is this?" But like in the meantime, they is just this, want is her this to money? Show is this money somehow like a sting? <laughs> I wanted, well, see, I I imagine these baristas who keep trading her between them as like begrudging friends. They're not <laughs> they're not happy to see her, but you know they are. There's it's a- an act. There's so now you have story. to write these two NPCs. There's a short story. We can do that. The two baristas. The two baristas. The boo two. All right. Um, two related questions. Um, I'm gonna just type in the one because it's a my answer, and then I can get. So here's two questions. So first is what inspired the creation of uh, Hereafter and Under the Neighborhood. So we talk a lot about this or a bit in the Ghost of Campaigns Past, which was, I think that episode might, I don't know if that one's Patreon exclusive or not, but it was um, a Patreon miniseries where we talked about games we played before Quest Friends. And I had a whole lot of ideas, but uh, ultimately I think we just kind of sat down and was like, what did we like about season one? What do we want to do for season two? And we were like, ghosts are cool. We like ghosts. We like ghosts. We like ghosts. We like ghosts. Was there something? I don't know what else I missed. I know I wanted to shift up the format and move to something different. So I went to episodic style while also not losing the core of what made Quest Friends Quest Friends. I I didn't want to like get too serious or anything like that. So I was like, change the format so it's different. It's not just trying to do what we did with season one again, but also being like, well, if you like the first one, we're, we're hitting the same, we're scratching the same itch, just doing something a little different. Um, but yeah. Uh, we talked for a long time about making it almost video game centric, not in the sense that the mechanics are similar, but in that we imagined our location as being like a map, like in Persona 5. Like, I want to go to the gun store with Iwin. <laughs> or Big Bang Burger. So we talked about we talked about that and that kind of homeliness got built into the system, I feel like. Yeah, and that that matched for me with the idea of the cartoons that we take for inspiration because they're usually yeah. in a set place with a set cast of like side characters that might grow, but like we definitely have a lot more um returning than we did arc 1. Like a, like we're adding a fair few characters in the next arc, but like Part of the reason we have so many now is because they're just going to keep coming. Like, I'm not going to drop them, drop most of them like I did uh, with uh, season season one, where between arcs, we would drop most of the characters because they were there for that arc and then gone. Um, I know a lot of people really liked Crime and Courtship from arc one, where we just did a dating sim on the Titanic for a year. And I had like, I had, I want to, I had a handful of plot characters and then eight murder suspects. And I know people really liked them and they thought the characters were a lot more fleshed out. And I think that was because I, a lot like with what I'm doing now with Hereafter, where instead of just being like, sometimes I'll pull in 
uh, a random a random uh, uh, NPC that I didn't plan for. Like uh, one episode, Kike spends time with uh, with Lupe, who's uh, a, a niece who we just came up with on the spot. But even then, I quickly changed it to Lionel's here, baby. We're gonna turn it into one of the like, and I. That's why Ariel works everywhere, like an opportunity to like. I'm going to the because people really like that about crime and courtship, and I thought, oh well, these cartoons, that's what they do. Like you have one offs, like Rhonda who I can never keep a one-off a one-off, except for Mr. Elmo, I guess. Screw that guy. For now. Um, yeah. But, you don't know when he's coming back next. <laughs> but the idea, it, it, it helps it because you can just pull in existing characters when you just need someone for a thing. Um, were you going to say something, Tom? Oh, no, no, I wasn't okay. saying anything. So anyways, under the neighborhood, I wanted something that was low-powered. Uh, we all love Cypher System, but Cypher, Cypher System claims it can be low-powered. No. I'm not going to say they're lying. They might believe it, but no, because you still become gods at the end of it. And so I was like, all right, well, I want something low powered, um, powered by the apocalypse. They do that pretty well. Uh, so then we tried a couple of powered by the apocalypse games and on, none of them super fit of them. I want to play. I like them. I want to play interstitial again. Uh, the kingdom heart one, that one I think would be really fun as a campaign. Cause they've got certain playbooks that like change character. And like, I had a lot of fun with urban shadows, but Was that when... the one that sparked my gender crisis. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> where you played a non-binary character where we, uh, where, uh, Hallie's ex tried to kill Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that one was really fun. And I think Urban Shadows was the closest, while I took a lot from Interstitial, Urban Shadows was the closest to Under the Neighborhood. And it is a gritty, if at times cheesy, street-level drama. So it just became a nothing fits. We like Cypher System, and I would like to pull some of that in. Let's take cartoons. What I like about these games, Cypher System, throw them in a big pot. Poof, there we go. Anyways, that's not what the question's on screen. The question that th that's actually for everyone is, what is your favorite aspect slash system of Under the Neighborhood? I like the slice of life complications. Yeah. A lot. I think they're very really fun. Yeah. It's very wow. good. I did enjoy how you've been incorporating um, the set the scene mechanic. From Brindlewood mm -hmm. Bay. Bay. Ooh, mm -hmm. Love that mechanic. They're very good. It uh, might be my favorite mechanic of any role play. Yeah, game. that's a f that's a really fun new one. But like slice of life mechanics are just so fun. Yeah, more games should should add things <laughs> where the players get to have authorship in the world. Yeah, and I think especially for us where we're used to games that aren't like that, like Powered by the Apocalypse encourages you to uh, shift authorship. And even then, we're playing a lot more. I think we as a group still put a lot more authorship in my hands than than quote unquote ideally should be. Although for Under mm -hmm. the Neighborhood, I designed it to be for our group, so we're playing it exactly how yeah. we should. <laughs> but that's why I like mechanics that and like Brindlewood Bay and Slice of Life complications, I like that they give you prompts. Here's a, no, a boring mundane thing. And with most groups, I actually force, I say, you have to choose it for this character. Or paint the scene. You have to answer, you have to describe a thing that leads to this fact. You know, with the Bureau, I was like, show how it is overbearing bureaucracy. So Tom was like, oh, they don't have windows because that's worthless. And Ari's like, they've got the Constitution on the wall. Like, those ideas, I think, came in part because of, like, the 
you were trying to get the specific vibe as opposed to here's a courtroom. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. Uh, and so I really like prompts and one of my favorite games, mm-hmm. Mission Accomplished, the first half is just prompts, which is where Slice of Life came from. So it has to be my favorite. I mean, it's what I base the game around. If it wasn't my favorite, then then the game would be in trouble. That being said, I do really like descriptors, which were descriptors were just a workaround because I gave you all the playbooks and I got a lot of, I guess this fits my character. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, we got to do something that's like more specific, but it, it's really fun. And um, what was the other one? Um, oh, confrontations. They're not amazing. Yep. I think there's a lot of work that could be done through them, but uh, I'm I'm proud that I got to take my chase scenes, uh, which people really like from season one, and in some way adapt them, even if they're not quite the same. Okay. Olivia and Cassidy loved it when we did Cryptic Cryptids. They had not played. I forgot they had not played with the system before. So no, Cassidy didn't... read it, which was yes. very interesting because Cassidy comes from a very conventional. I remember we did uh, the climax of last campaign, and I think I cut it, but she said something like. Uh, I've just come to terms that this isn't really a real combat or something like that. <laughs> Which even among my combats, it was one of the more loosey-goosey ones, but... She meant it with love. Uh, it, she was very valuable because she came, She comes from a very, like, quote-unquote conventional D&D mindset. So it was mm-hmm. helpful to be like... She would ask questions like, who has authorship over this? And I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't made that clear. And, um... Yeah, no, she she read it, but uh, didn't play it. It was very, very helpful. Shout out to Cassidy. Like, she was incredibly helpful in that. Okay. Um, so I'm going through some other ones. Um, I know there was one that you wanted to make sure we mentioned yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna speed through some i'm gonna do i'm gonna do a speed round and then we'll do a, a couple of final ones. Speed round. Speed round, Tom. Yeah. What's Hilda's favorite prank? Uh, dropping a bucket off a door. On the cl- someone's head. Love the classics. It's it's a classic. Um, this one is for me. Maybe spoiler territory, but what Necromon are you looking forward to appearing? I don't think there are any. We don't Necromon just come up as needed. Um, but I will say, uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber, there is a story called Five Doors, and that story actually features an upcoming NPC and a necromon uh so i'm excited for that necromon and i'm excited for the legendary necromon uh because one of them will appear next arc and you'll find and i'll I'll actually explain what they are because in (laughs) true fashion oset only half understands what's going on bless him uh some other quick ones what's up with irene's sickness someone asked because we started an episode where i we've had irene be sick a couple of times um, and this was asked in a series of questions that included like a lot of plot things. So I figured we would quickly touch on this. Emily. It wanna- me. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Irene has some of my disabilities. Um, so she has chronic migraines and chronic pain. Um, and we haven't really talked a bit out or touched on for a long while we had discussed pots but it's pretty complicated to portray um so it's mostly to do with chronic pain um and exploring a little bit of like that internalized ableism 
Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, are Lucas and Sparky going to be a thing? No. <laughs> I I didn't just bring this one to be like, oh, ho, gloating. Like I uh, I'm glad that this was asked from the perspective of it hit what Hallie and I were were trying to do of making it something that seemed genuinely compelling. Um, but Lucas and Sparky was doomed from the start. It was it was meant to be a romance that on paper looked as perfect as possible. But when you thought about the fact that it was but it was a representation of Sparky hiding. It brings me no joy to say. <laughs> In the but chat, yes. Dreamwitch has asked Emily, what are you looking on? Eyes glancing over. <laughs> <laughs> I can scoop my computer really quick. Yeah. Gonna put my Any other thoughts my on your thing, Hallie, besides it sparks you no joy? I almost said that Lucas Bang was one of the NPCs that I look forward to appearing because he was before we made the decision to like, nope, this is bad. Because like I did I did go in with 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 the honest to God intention of romancing Lucas Bang. And then uh And, and I then, came in knowing it could never happen. Yes, these stories came up. You're always doing that to me <laughs> with my poor little detective kids. God. So pretty. Oh, Emily's working on a door with a bunch of plants and stuff. Yeah. I'm painting it for my sister. I've been working on the snail while we've been streaming. <laughs> um But it also doesn't help that uh that Lucas Bang is not Sparky's perfect man. Um, because he's not Big J. Cal. <laughs> There's a new I, ship in town. Here, <laughs> this town ain't big enough for the two of us, Lucas Bang. Emily joked that Big J. Cal was the perfect man for Sparky, and Hallie said no. And then just every t- slowly since that, we've worn her down. All I'm saying is that he's a very good boy. He's a very good boy. He's nice and big and gentle, and he fits Sparky's type. It's just he's got, he's got his shit together. <laughs> he's got his life together. He's got a reliable job. He's he's checking in on people. You he's, know, yeah. he's not. He desperate. carries you down from space. He did carry us down <laughs> he's, from space. Like that's <laughs> that's what you want in a man. Will you carry me down from space? Kyle, you Meanwhile, Lucas space? Lucas Bang was committing murder while you fell down from space. That's yeah. true. He was not helpful in that scene. He was he was spilling several eels onto the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I I do want to make it clear: the defense acknowledges no allegations of murder here. This was a victimless crime. <laughs> Although Sammy is definitely stuck in that card. If Oset tries to bring Sammy him out, the card might poof. And Lucas, like, he yelled on the stand, and um, I didn't like that. Yeah, Lucas so. was very tough because he was very beloved, and I liked him a lot. And originally he was actually going to reject Sparky's advances, but then yeah. I he couldn't. Then I, I was just... charming. I was charming as fuck. <laughs> but the thing is, once Lucas was in it, immediately it was like, well, I... I believe trying to hunt down this old relationship is Sparky hiding. Yeah. So there's got to be something about Lucas that's wrong there too. And what I landed on through just exploration and play was that Lucas was kind of doing the same thing. Like Sparky was the last good thing he had before a contract that was so bad it led him to spill four eels on the floor. 
So what you landed on was that his flaw was that he would murder someone and then let a child go to prison for he it. He trusted. Yeah. He had faith in Sparky to pin it on Maybelline. He listen. He said in his monologue, "It was for the kids." Like, uh, uh-huh. what? You don't believe him? <laughs> yeah, Irene is not thrilled. It's it's very funny because I I season Never one I got heroes. I got praised for uh, Aegon being a nuanced character who's not just you know pure evil but has motivation, and I feel like that nuance got split with Lucas Bang and Elliot, where like. Lucas Bang got even more nuanced than Aegon, where he's not, he's very tough. He's a very flawed guy, and hes he is a bad man for Sparky. But I don't know if I would necessarily call him a bad man, just yeah. a guy who has caused a lot of harm and needs to get his shit together. Yeah. Whereas Elliot is just the world's worst man. Just, the- just terrible the in every way. Um, okay. Okay, I've uh, one last speed around question, and then uh, we've got one. Then we got two final questions. So, because I got some other ones, but I've kind of addressed them. Like, um, how do I choose what arc to start next? I have that planned out. If it's thematically, uh, why did Booker bond with Hilda, Emily? Um, why do cats do anything? <laughs> Booker made a very. He made a very conscious choice Um, and there was just something that he decided he liked and Hilda is now his. (laughs) Um, Let me go through some other ones. Uh, Do you ever get inspiration from an outside source like a book while your mid art campaign decide I want to change this because of the inspiration is really cool and I want to add it. I did die hard. Out of nowhere. So yes. Although this is more like you read something and pull it. And like, yeah, whatever I'm doing. No, because you don't read. (laughs) So for example, we were watching My Hero Academia. And so I got a little more hyped into like the anime fight thing with uh, with, uh, Booker in, in the early fight. In fact, we had to redo... The the we had to redo the first fight between Hilda and Irene because I was so into that power of anime that I just kind of had it happen, even though it hadn't been built up to at all. And afterwards, Tom was like, "That that wasn't really earned." And I was like, "God, you fuck yeah!" So we ended up putting that moment at the very beginning, and it's like, "Oh, Booker gets ultra powered immediately." Here's a neat thing about Booker, rather than here's this big moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's usually not intentional. Sometimes if I want to do something that will pull and excite people, uh, like Ace Attorney, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this. But usually if I get an idea, I just it just goes in the dock or it residually affects me while I'm coming up with things. One of your docs. <laughs> One thing you didn't mention about your planning is that you have like 75 Google folders. Yeah, I made a campaign planning thing that I was like, oh, it's a single page. I have more than one page. Do as I say, not as I do, audience. Um, <laughs> were you going to say something, Tom, about inspiration? No, no. no. Okay. And then a uh, final one of, of the, the quick ones for me before we get to the final two questions. Um, are there going to be any memory episodes for season two? I think everyone will be waiting for Sparky's for obvious reasons. Uh, No. So between arcs last time we had memory episodes, these were flashbacks that talked about the characters and um, what they're, what basically it's set up 
what about their lives is going to relate to the next arc. So Hops set up uh, his rivalries and, and how he became an accountant before we explored his biggest rival. Um, Ellie's explored how she messed up with uh, her last girlfriend. Oops, who's in the next arc? Uh, and it was all that kind of stuff. Um, season one was really about memory. Season one was all about staying stuck to the past. And we have some of that this season. That's what Sparky's is. But I don't think that theme is... That theme is definitely not as strong in the characters as it was in season one. It's not a, It's not as core to them. And it's not as core to the plot. Um, which makes sense. We're still figuring out, I think, what the theme is. For me, I think a lot of what I'm doing is kind of focused on... There's still uh, aspects of the status quo and change and identity and stuff, but it's not as uniquely tied to memory as season one was. Uh, and because of that, we're not going to do it. Now, we might have flashbacks where appropriate. We had the Pickle Pals radio play. And next arc, I want to do a flashback for Kike, uh, exploring, uh, exploring him, Mateo, and probably I might change this. Uh, his history with alchemists, because in arc one, he referenced alchemists multiple times and how he does not like them, but very like mundane, like, oh, this guy, this fucking guy, what a piece of crap. So I kind of want it. But like, as it comes up, we'll we'll do them. But uh, where where structure is going to be different where the structure of season one was all about memory. The structure of this campaign is going to be more about it, it, we're exploring it. Exploration. That's what I'm going to call it. Uh, I'm going to try things that explore the world and the boundaries of it. But so instead of that, we're going to have cryptid cryptids. That's what's going to be between, uh, between arcs. Last time cookie crew was optional until it wasn't. And it was very relevant. <laughs> This time I figured out my bullshit and realized that, you know what, we're just going to make Cryptid Cryptids numbered episodes. And instead of being a bonus thing running co concurrently, it'll be our little mid-season break, even though it's a, actually a mid-arc break, because our mid-season was something we did before hereafter, because we use the word seasons, and I will never forgive myself for that. Um, okay, final two questions. Before we get to those, uh, was there anything that we as a group wanted to ask each other or or talk about? Just be like, oh, here's a neat thing from Arc 1. I don't know if I can think of anything in particular right now. Well, people think I will give mine. I will give you all of the changeling clues because there were many. Uh, Rasputin points out a wooden mask in Episode 1 and he says he needs to keep that close. Uh, Rasputin's <laughs> laugh only appears, uh, the closed mouth laugh only appears once he has suddenly appeared in art, uh, in part five. Uh, Rasputin only starts addressing the fourth wall after he is the changeling. And he does that multiple times. For example, he mentions that Irene's going to be lost the whole episode unless she makes a deal with him. Um, and, and I'm probably missing some. Uh, oh, Rasputin appears. Uh, he's he's always present at plot relevant stuff. He was present at Die Hard, which fun fact, the pregnancy thing was a retroactive thing. That was a joke I made offhand. And then I was like, 
How did the key clones I not get? I made that joke offhand. You How made the joke there was a pregnant you? lady, and then I made it Rasputin. Oh, okay. And then um, I retroactively that became how he how he quote unquote did it. Yeah. Um, but you one thing to note is Rasputin is there. So you know how he's Eddie's benefactor. He's there in the Zarvian exhibit in the Necromon Thief when Rhonda stole one of Irene's Necromon. I joke that Rasputin was there. And in my mind, it's because he was keeping tabs on uh, the people who were part of his uh, group. Uh, the page that Rasputin hires them to steal is the page where Eddie warns about her being here and how if she's here, you can't trust anyone. Uh, and finally, and most tragically, Rasputin doesn't care about his Boidle Rat after episode one. In episode one, he he has every single Boidle Rat named and he has his ever-prescient precious uh, Rasputle who uh, Rasputal never comes up again. And not only does he not name his Boidle Rat, but he specifically just give, gives one away. And Ra I'll tell you right now, Rasputin would never. <laughs> real Rasputin would never give up a Boidle Rat so easily. He would never give Rasputin. one so hard. Real Rasputin <laughs> would never. He would be... Oh, one last thing, which isn't perfect. Uh, but if you ever listen to episodes of The Changeling, I tried to make it that she says I when referring to herself and Rasputin when referring to Rasputin. So if, uh, if, for example, I cut this line, but at one point Rasputin says, Rasputin enjoys uh, showmanship. And that's because Rasputin does enjoy showmanship and Rasputin in air quotes kinda does, but like not as much as the man who was gonna do a musical number <laughs> When meeting random strangers in his cave. So there, there's your clues. Go back and, and catch all of them and see if there are any others I laid Gotta that I've forgotten about. Also, I want to note that when I immediately said I would need time to think of that, in my head, I had gotten arc one and season one fully mixed up <laughs> and thought you, you were suddenly asking about Numenera. And I was like, damn, I would need some time to think about that. <laughs> Surely we've said all that we can. So, oops. No, that's fine. All right. Anything before the final two questions? All right. The first one. Where characters come from is how I'm typing it. Uh, the question specifically is there are two of them. So uh, how do you think of your characters or for the GM? Think up the NPCs you play. And then in the hereafter game, there is something a divide of a divide between the alive characters and the dead ones. How did you choose whether to be alive or dead? I'll say that I pegged Ari immediately for oh, yeah. picking someone yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah. I literally, Absolutely. I believe I was the one who suggested a skeleton knowing, oh, there's going to be a skeleton. Yeah. That's I, happening. <laughs> I, I, I honestly just like playing like things that are different and unique in general. Like that's why in, in the last campaign, I wanted to play an android. And, and so here... And the original what? version was going to be an alien, right? A visitor. It was. Yeah, it was going to be like Stitch, basically. Like a runaway alien that pretends that he is not a runaway alien. And just be like, <laughs> oh, oops, I got lost. And instead, kind of like Yunaka from Fire Emblem, actually. So that's what I, yeah. Uh, and then even for other like D&D stuff that I've done, I like to play characters that are not like, human and stuff like that because it's fun so that's that's basically why i chose the skeleton 
I also oh, I really like have liked Grimm from the Grimm Adventures of of Billy and Mandy. So I, I forgot like, I watched some Grimm highlights in preparation. I was like, oh, I'll watch a compilation clip of Grimm. Yeah, yeah, I I really like Grimm. So I was like, sure, I can just be Grimm. And the aesthetic is pretty similar. Like, oh god, I just have these two kids. I don't know what to do about this. I just want to be left alone, please. <laughs> In, in the opposite fashion, I find that I always gravitate towards the most quote-unquote normal character I possibly can in any kind of fantastical fun setting. I was a human cowboy accountant <laughs> in season one when I could have been all sorts of things. And in this one, um, Sparky is a fun little disaster, but I was like, I'm just a reporter who's fallen on hard times. That's all I want out of this game. Um, so I also went for the low power, even within the low power setting, <laughs> because that's apparently that's apparently my calling. But you can also you can also similarly to the reference question that Kyle answered earlier, you can tell, especially with me, just like what I'm into at any given time based on my play style. Sparky Malarkey now has a trench coat that mm -hmm. she wears a la Colombo. Mm -hmm. She also has a flamboyant outfit underneath that, a la Martin Short from Only Murders in the Building. I'm sure there are many other examples, but my characters just also arise from whatever I like at the moment and want to continue interacting with. And then they just, and then that, that just builds as time goes on. For me, it was definitely a struggle making Hilda. I spent a long time with like, only the barest bones of a vibe for a character and not really any clear direction on where I want to go. I was pretty sure I think all along that I wanted to be a living character um, and I wanted to play a kid. But beyond that, it was it was tricky teasing out the details I did. And it took like very obscure references into ideas <laughs> to to get her to where she was eventually. Yeah. Kyle said, "Hey, there's a rival character." I wanted a I wanted a PC to have the rival role and Emily snatched that up immediately. Yeah. Sorry. Um and I don't know why ultimately I decided to make her alive. It might have been because I was like, I'm playing a child and I don't know if I want to play a dead child even though it's very normal in this world. Um but a lot of my creation was informed by the role that I chose yeah why same with the character sheet and stuff like I had a specific um playbook for me to use because I was the necromon trainer rival yeah yeah the, uh, Emily I had the most conversation with about Irene I think my favorite fact about Irene is the voice you used is the voice you used when you were a little kid which I remember yes. Hallie saying that uh, when you first mentioned that voice, she said, I would have hated you. <laughs> so many did. That's that's unfortunately true. Um, for me, NPCs come from players, necessity, or theft. Uh, so some of... I don't really know where NPCs come from. Usually I just get ideas and note them down. But for example, um, Kike's family uh hilda's family like most of the families came from we needed those characters 
Uh, Ari and I, uh, any any character that is directly linked to Kiki's family, Ari and I have had extensive conversations about, uh, which has been really fun because it's it's a fun way of, as Ari mentioned, she explores uh, a lot of cultural things with Kiki, so she has a lot of that to the table. I have learned a lot about Mexican idols and it's great. Um, and then I, I bring in my, my own ideas and we work collaboratively to, to build these characters until ultimately we set them loose or, or more accurately, Ari sets them loose. And then I just create <laughs> chaos. Um, some were stolen. Oh, Setsukuba is a cop. He's an imitation of an imitation as was Sammy. He is an imitation of Pesto Scuba, who is an imitation of Seto Kaiba. Um, and then it's hard to know where they, they come from entirely. Like Ron 13 and Ron 12, I, I wanted, um, not cop cops. I wanted the bumbling cop archetype where it's like, they're clearly shitty while also not in any way being cool. Uh, the, the producer's, uh, method of handling, handling terrible people. Um, so it's, it's, it's honestly, it's hard to know. I usually just come up with them and I start noting things down and I start being iterative as I think of ideas, either from things I listen to or from things I watch. Uh, like I have a whole list, like Mr. Elmo, Mr. Elmo came from a song that was called the mysterious Mr. Elmo that sounded like a spy. <laughs> and then the videos of Elmo hating the character Rocco from Sesame Street. I forgot about And that. I just smashed oh. them together. But I have like a list of uh, things like uh, I have uh, Mott Nipkip, who is the evil Tom Pitkin. <laughs> uh, right. I have a note that just says 50s white guy greaser named Bergs. Um, <laughs> I have I have lawyer greaser. clown. Um, a Mexican movie star slash singer who died too young. Uh, Pedro yeah, Infante style. Two of those. <laughs> I have Pedro, uh, and I'm probably pronouncing him wrong. I have Pedro Infante and uh, Vicente Fernandez. Well, well, no, Vicente Fernandez. He didn't actually die young. Uh, uh, what's the name of the one? The other one. Uh, I'm forgetting it, but there's. It's not Vicente Fernandez. It's, a, it's okay. another one. I must have just noted him down as like, oh, here's one of these kinds of guys. Negrete, that's the one. Oh yeah, the one that I I used a lot of his music. I used his music in the episode where you said, "Wow, this band really sounds like this guy," and it was yeah. coincidence. I just liked his music. It's good, uh, but yeah, it's it's us too. But they also appear in Coco, which is great. But yeah, <laughs> I have Beer Steinsman and his son Pint. Uh, <laughs> influencer that was from the um, Channel A game, I think. I don't know if it was from that or from something a, else. Because I know I, I once one of one of one of one of our friends, the person who makes the show, she and I started talking something once, and I came up with the idea of Beer Steinsman. Although I don't think I ever told her about him. The um, person who makes the show, artwork Mandy, who do, who does the artwork for the show. We talked about something um. once, and for some reason, I independently thought of Beer Steinsman, <laughs> uh, influencer Orca. He makes waves. Uh, crypto bro Alexander Hamilton. No, that's right. <laughs> so these come from things. Um, Eugene the Ghost Spider. Uh, and then finally, someone who may appear, I really want to appear, is Saint Isidore of Seville, who was the guy who invented the period and the comma and was just very tired all the time. So, but I have, I have a, 
Oh, I got to cut the character with he's, he's also somehow the patron saint of the saint of the internet. That's something that's a thing. Wait, really? I just have bees. I'm going to add the also internet. a bees, but <laughs> apparently he's also the patron saint of the internet. He also Are you happy about that. I have a note. I, I have a note that he wrote a book praising a king and then another one insulting the king, and no one knows why his opinion changed. Yes. Yeah. Um. We have Chuck the Duck guy who I made on Twitter with some fans. So yeah, I have, this stock has 82 characters. Three of them will probably ever appear. It's just like, it's as inspiration comes up or either they come through necessity and I just kind of explore or like things come up. Uh, and yeah, some is theft. Like I have, uh, I have some characters who are just going to be inspired by the TV show Leverage, which is a modern day Robin Hood because I really like the TV show Leverage and I needed thieves for a plot. So I'm like, all right, there we go. Um, okay, final question. This is related to last time. Uh, the chat is very excited about Dusty. <laughs> if uh, you can watch the video, if you, if you are listening where Emily plays with Dusty. Um, but the final one. So last time we did uh, a Q&A, we were asked in like a Mario, I think it was after the Mario Bros movie was announced. Like, so we were asked to cast our characters Mario Bros movie style. This one is inspired, I think, a lot by the conversation around, um, around uh, the murder mystery one that just came out. Oh, the Knives Out Glass mystery. Onion. Glass, Glass Onion. onion. Yeah. If they made a Muppet version of the show, Muppet just being Jim Henson, which Muppet would play your character and who would be the human? Interestingly, this fan suggests uh, Kike as the human. I was going to say. Yeah, that's an inspired choice. Oh, they also ask which Muppet would play each character. Mm. Um, so, uh, sorry, which Muppet would play the characters, but which Muppet would also play us? Like, 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 which Muppet would play, like, us Hallie as Kyle. players? So, the idea is that we have Muppets oh, playing oh, a game. No, we're okay. in depth the question for one stream. I feel like we need like time, oh, man. We need time and PowerPoints to. No, I'm, no, I'm pulling up a list of uh, of, of uh, a picture of the Muppets, Kyle. This is like an hour long question. Why didn't we lead with this? Oh, man, also, Tom, you get to be I'm scooter. Need some help. Because Hallie, I've never admitted this to you, but I haven't what? seen any Muppet movie ever. Any? Have you not seen a Muppet Christmas Carol? I haven't what? seen oh All right. All right. Why didn't you say that during Christmas? Right. We're I'm there in three weeks. I have three Columbo episodes we need to watch, and now I'm writing Muppet movies. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I only have seen the Muppet Christmas Carol, so I could watch other ones, but I feel like Emily should also see the Muppet I, Christmas Oh, because it's best. That movie of our generation so <laughs> i know who i want to be well uh, we uh i know who we, we watch muppets most wanted we need to watch that but we should oh, yeah that's I, great i know who i want to be but this isn't who i am i want to be the swedish chef because i love <laughs> him but that's not who i am no i i i think i i chose I remember in in when we may or may not use Hallie's Disney Plus <laughs> that we were required to pick a Muppet and I picked Beaker. So I guess... <laughs> I forgot, yeah, we, we were all Muppets except for Tom who wanted yeah, to steal Luca Tom. from Luca. 
I did want to steal Luca from Luca, but I can switch back to be in line with so, the yeah. correct protocols. <laughs> well, the it's, Muppet, the Muppet it's broken now. There's so many. Hell. It's all broken. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Because Hallie is Gonzo, which honestly, Gonzo or Miss Piggy from Sparky are both very good. Yeah. Those are my two no, choices, but those were also my two choices for me. So I don't, I don't know what to That's, do. Them's the breaks. Well, you them's could always, breaks. you could always do a thing where the actor and the, uh, the, the character are the same. My, true. that's true. My hesitation. Even though Kike was, is the sole human, I think we all decided. He's the sole. Yes, human. yes, I like that. Miss Piggy is too fabulous for Sparky Malarkey, but she has the same raw, chaotic energy. Does it she get would, things done? 100%. Is she good I, things? It yes. would make Lucas bang Kermit, which is very fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Why would you say something? Kermit so breaking down on the so stands. Crazy. Cowboy Kermit. Swole Cowboy Kermit. Doing his, like... <laughs> that's that's him fighting Sammy. Is that him how just... he murdered Sammy? It's it's Kermit, but it's Kermit from oh like the god. Palpatine video. Oh my god! Oh gee, well the thing is, uh, I am the Senate. <laughs> I don't so much. I don't know what I would do for Muppets because so I've got a couple scary. of ideas. Because like there's Fozzie, but I'm not as jokey as Fozzie. I was gonna say, you're Fozzie. That's who I am. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure, because, like, there's the role of, like, Kermit as the leader, and then there's also the, like, awkward kid from, like, the Muppets movie. But okay, if everyone's... Fozzie is who I am on Disney+. (laughs) Plus. I will embrace... I was gonna say ...being Fozzie Bear. You're Fozzie Bear. Who am I? Actually, Fozzie would make... Hear me out. Kermit is the love interest that comes after Lucas Bang. Fozzie is Lucas Bang. I don't like that. Breaking down no. on the stand. Waka. I reject Waka Waka. No. I reject it. No, don't like on this. On principle. <laughs> um, oh my God. <coughs> so is Elliot Sam Eagle? No, because. I was about to say Big enough. Jake Hell is Sam Eagle. Yes! Yes! Sam Eagle is Big Jake Hell. I'm a small American businessman. Uh, is I, Big Jake Hell. <laughs> I want you all to know that Dusty has squished himself onto my lap and he's just a little bit too big, but he doesn't want to move. <laughs> so which which Muppet is small and angry? That's I'm trying to think like like mm. I wanna say Rizzo, but Rizzo was clearly not right. Rizzo is not right. angry though. Like, Rizzo is no, the other true. person just... I would try to take if I hadn't already been assigned. Here, here's scooter. my pitch. Scooter. That's here's my fact. pitch. Also, you Spark- can assign me people that isn't Beaker. I out assign myself. I, I like Beaker. Beaker was really. <laughs> I would assign you Gonzo, but I want Gonzo. So hear, hear me out. Here's, think okay. here's my Maybe pitch. Emily. Here's my pitch for Gonzo as Sparky. Yeah, Gonzo. We could Sparky. make Rizzo Pepito. The I feel like that's mouse. disrespectful to Rizzo the rat. That hurts my heart. But just like, imagine so Rizzo and much. Gonzo having a breakup at the end of the arc. You know, I've I've had an Maybelline's Miss Piggy. That's why it ups- no! Oh, oh, oh no! Undo, undo what you said. We've been had. I was going to say if if Sparky's <laughs> Gonzo, can't Hilda be Rizzo? That's fair. They are. That, that, That's there's a good a pair. point. That's a good point. You've escaped Scooter this time. You escaped. Well, no, I thought Scooter was just. That's Tom. true. Thomas Scooter. Scooter. Thomas yeah. Scooter. Okay. Hilda. Hilda's Rizzo. Ari's Beaker. 
Kike's a human man. Kike's yes. just a human man. I feel like <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But if Irene was somehow both Statler and Waldorf, what? like at once. Because what? all they do is be mean to people. All they See, do is heckle. I was gonna, I was, even though their personality doesn't match at all, because they're a pair, I was gonna put Statler and Waldorf as uh, Ron twelve and Ron thirteen. Okay, that makes sense. That makes more sense than mine. Just these two, these two old men coming to harass you and take you to ghost jail, and always doing like a oh, <laughs> oh no, I'm, I, I need to consult. <laughs> I need to consult the the ancient texts of Muppets. I don't I don't know how I feel about this. Oh, I have this. Wikipedia pulled up. Yeah. I, I, I'm so upset. Who is, who is Because Emily? Robin the Frog would also be good for Hilda. I don't even know that one. Robin, that's Kermit's nephew. You know, he's very famous. Uh, he's in everything. Uh, by which I mean, yeah. he's in nothing. I can't... Is he the one that plays that is... The oh, he's Tiny Tim. Tim. Tiny yeah. Tim. Tiny Tim. Tim. That looks so like a back. squished frog. Yeah, I, I Tiny know. Tim, who did not die. Who did not die. <laughs> uh, can Animal be Rasputin? <laughs> yes. Um. God, Irene is really, really hard. Irene, Irene is hard, and so is yes, Emily. Because all I can think of for Emily is like the new guy from the Muppets movie, which isn't actually new, but that's not really Emily. It's just, he's no, nice. He's just nice. No. I'm going to be honest. I feel like Emily could also claim Gonzo. Very yeah. Easily. It's interesting that the one person who has not seen Muppets and like th- them and their character are the one that nobody can figure yeah. out what they, Gonzo so clearly does... everyone who sees the Muppets just automatically plays into some kind of Muppet archetype. Gonzo does have the most non-binary energy. That, that is also really that is, yeah. That wasn't my only consideration, but it was a consideration. Hear, hear me out. Right. Hallie. Miss Piggy is both Hallie and Maybelline. Why would you do that to And me? so Miss Piggy, as the player, gets mad when she is... <laughs> Her own character's nemesis. Fozzie, what is this? <laughs> All three of those roles. <laughs> Incredible. Fozzie, what the hell? What have you done? Um, I'm I'm gonna do a pitch as for Elliot as the other human man. This is just two human We men. get two humans. We get There's Kike. also there is also a lawyer Muppet. What? I can't remember his name. Yeah, he's in the Muppet like Disney Plus show. They have a lawyer who they call every so often, and he mostly tells Gonzo he can't do things. <laughs> Hang on. Joe the what? legal weasel. Yeah, that's the legal weasel. That's oh god. He got a really funny name. Uh, for 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 people watching the stream, this is Joe the legal weasel. Oh, oh my god, oh my that's god. so cute. I love him. Oh, he's so cute. And so he can't. He's oh. too good for Elliot, clearly. But like, he's oh. also Joe the legal weasel. I love it. <laughs> he's so fucking cute. Um, so cute. If, uh, well, if Emily takes Gonzo from me, as is their right, um, I just like Pepe. I will take Pepe. I fucking love Pepe. <laughs> okay. And yeah, no one agrees. That's but fine. isn't, but <laughs> That's here's, here's the thing. Is that not the only Muppet who is both small and angry? It's true. <laughs> That's a good okay. point. <laughs> That's, That's a, a point. good point. Hallie and I can be the We're same good. character because no one can tell us apart on recording. I mean, That's it's true. Point. 
that would be a funny a way point. to bring back that reference. <laughs> According to Wikipedia, Pepe the King Prawn has been the spokesman of Long John Silver's chain restaurant since 2002. <laughs> I'm happy for him. Love that. Okay, I think we, <laughs> we have spent a good sixth of the stream talking yeah. about which Muppets because we are. Because it so is I a think. really, really good question. It's, it, I remember Kyle, it we'll was- will only do another half hour of questions. <laughs> <laughs> One hour later. <laughs> I think this is a good place to stop. <laughs> this is going to keep me up at night. So, oh God. Like, this will require this. a Tumblr post. Like, oh I said it from the yes. start. <laughs> We're we not to done review here. this. We're going to have to make PowerPoints for this, and then we'll come up with a final casting call yes. for Tumblr. Thank you for listening or watching or however you consume. Dusty uh, says goodbye. Two weeks oh, after this episode, we'll have cryptid cryptids. We'll have that for a little bit, then we'll be on to the next arc. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs>